Parashas Nitzavim is really a continuation of Parashas Kisavo. A big chunk of Parashas Kisavo is the Tachacha, the reproof that Hashem warns us, the terrible things that will happen if we disobey Him, if we behave badly. Parashas Nitzavim as well begins with a discussion of this. It says that we're entering into a covenant with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Jews at that time, future generations, and then the Torah says, A man, a woman, a family, a shevet, who is, whose heart is turning away from Hashem. He wants to worship idols. He plans on worshiping idols. A root of, uh, a root of, uh, that beareth gall and wormwood, that's leading to Avodazara and villainy. He says, I'm not scared. Shalom yeli, ki Hashem will not forgive him. Hashem will, 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 will be enraged. Yeshanaf Hashem All the kol ha'olah, ksuva basefer azeh will befall him. Hashem will blot his name out. Then terrible, terrible things will happen and people will see the, the devastation, the, 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 the epic biblical devastation, Ashurchila Hashemba. Gafris Vamelach, the biblical depictions of, of sulfur and salt, Srefa Chalartza, like the archetypal destruction, Kemapecha Sidom Vamora, Advot Svoyim. And people are going to say, What happened here? Mechari Ha'afa Godelazeh. And the answer is going to be, They abandoned the covenant between their ancestors and Hashem. And they worshipped idols. And Hashem was furious and he brought all the Klala. And then the, this whole narrative concludes with a somewhat, uh, somewhat uh, unclear pasuk. The pasuk says, The hidden things are for Hashem, our God. And, but the revealed things, those are for us, for our children, to do them, to do what the Torah says. What are nistaros, what are hidden things? What are niglos? What are revealed things? What's the contrast here? What does it mean, la shemelokeinu? What does it mean, lanu levanenu? What's the connection between this pasuk? How is this the, the conclusion to this whole narrative about people worshipping in Avodah and getting destroyed? So there are several different explanations of this, again, somewhat obscure pasuk. Ramban. Ramban says, what are nisteros and niglos? He says, he brings some of the other explanations we'll get to soon, but he says, vidati vidarech apshat, he brings, he brings the, the, the explanation of Chazal and Rashi, but the, his own pshat, he says, V'dati b'derech pshat, niftaros mean shogig, mean a chait that's, that's hidden from the person himself. He, doesn't, he didn't even realize what he was doing. Shigios miyavin, mean niftaros nakeni. In Tehillim we use niftaros as a synonym, as a parallel to shigios, to shkaga. The, the wrongness of what he did was hidden from the person himself. And Hashem is saying... I'm telling you that dire things are going to happen if you sin, if you worship of Odezara. Don't worry. Nistaros, you make an honest mistake, a good faith mistake. The niglos, the ones that were done in bad faith, deliberately, zedonos, those are the ones that Hashem is going to, Hashem is going to punish us. And he says, he, he says that the unkelis, unkelis seems to indicate this, he says, Uncle, he, he makes a very, uh, a very fine, very subtle diak in Uncle. Uncle says, Dimitamran, Kadam Hashem, Elokana. Dimitamran, the hidden things, are Kadam Hashem, Elokana. That the, according to the, according to the other Pshat, he says, the Pshat will get too soon. Rashi's Pshat, Chazal's Pshat, should have said, Dimitamran, La Hashem, Elokana. Rashi's Pshat is going to be that Hashem is going to punish people, for the, that, that, that the Nistaros are Hashem's affair and not ours. We're not responsible for them. Other people are not responsible to police things they don't know about. It should have said they are La Hashem, with a Lamed, to Hashem, the, the Hashem, Hashem's responsibility, not ours. Uncle says, Dimitamran, Kadam Hashem, Elokana. Uncle says that they are, that they are, that they are, uh, that the, the secret things b- before Hashem, that they're secret, that, 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 he, that he fails indicates that it is uh, his pshat, that, that, that it means that the things that are hidden, that the, that, 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 that the things that are hidden, he says, are the, let me, let me just read this again, he says, 
Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not actually sure. I thought I understood this better than I did. I'm not actually sure what, what he's going to from Unclus, but I'll call upon him. This is the opinion of the Ramban that the that Nistaros means shogeg, things that were not done with malice deliberately, and, and the Haneglos means the things that are done that are done that are deliberately as a verus. Ibn Ezra brings a very mysterious pshat. He says, Yeshomrim, again, the, 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 his own pshat is going to be the pshat of Rashi that we're going to focus on tonight, we'll get to soon, but he brings a Yeshomrim, Nistaros, that they, they actually read the passage differently. We, most Mepharshim read, Hanistaros Lashem Elokeinu, Kama, Vaniglos, in contrast, in contradistinction, the Niglos, the revealed ones, are Lanu Levanenu. These Mepharshim read, Hanistaros Vaniglos, both the hidden things and the revealed things are for Hashem. What do we do? What, what's our share? You read the Pasuk, and Kama, I'm sorry, and Lanu is just, Las is called Ours is but to do. We just have to do the mitzvahs, both the revealed things and the hidden things. Those are all Hashem's business. What that means exactly, what are the revealed things and hidden things as opposed to doing the mitzvahs, not very clear. If Ezra doesn't like this pshat, he says this pshat is below Rosh for Regal. What, what's the relevance to this parsha? If it's just telling you that you know, theology or it's not our business, Nistaros and Niglos are not our affair, we just have to do the mitzvahs, what's the connection to the rest of the parsha? The truth is, the Ralbag does have a pshat perhaps similar to this Yeshom of the Ibn Ezra. The Ralbag says, that Nistaros refers to the reasons of mitzvahs. He says that a person might think that, that part of his responsibility to be, a, to, be an, to be an Ever Hashem is to understand the, 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 deep, the deep meanings and the allusions of all the mitzvahs, what they, what they symbolize, the hidden, the, the, the deep secrets and, uh, and the, the, the divine wisdom behind the mitzvahs. And if you don't do that, you'll, you'll be considered sinning. The Torah says, I'm going to punish you for for everything you do wrong, maybe that includes not fully understanding the depths of the divine wisdom, and it's impossible, and if such is this, no one, no, who, who can really say he understands the Torah perfectly? How can Hashem command us this? It's just, it's just impossible, he says. That's what the Torah is telling you. Don't worry, Hashem is not asking something like that from you. The, the, the hidden wisdom behind the mitzvahs, that's Hashem's affair. Our job is just a, a very kind of litfish approach. Uh, the, 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 our job is just to do the mitzvahs. That we just have to do it. Uh, the, the, the deep wisdom behind it is not our responsibility. We just have to do the mitzvahs. The, the concrete act commanded by the Torah, that's what we have to do. So, so he, he is reading the comma between Hashem uh, and Vaniglos, not like the Yeshomer who reads Nisteros Hashem Elokeinu Vaniglos. He is reading Nisteros after Hashem and Niglos for us. But what he, what he says that means is that the hidden wisdom is Hashem's affair. He doesn't, he doesn't hold us responsible for understanding all the, all the meaning behind the mitzvahs. But the niglos, which are the, the concrete actions the Torah demands that we do, that's our responsibility. He goes on and he says, furthermore, the, 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 he, he, he makes a common admonition that we find was a big issue in the medieval period. He says, a person might say, Mitzvahs are for people, common people, but I understand the, the meanings behind them. I, I, I can get to the place the Torah wants without actually doing the mitzvahs. We find that there were accusations, at least in the medieval period, that some of the more philosophically enlightened would say, you know, tefillin is for you know, simple people. The real meaning of tefillin is to understand the unity of God and to love God. I can do that without worrying about uh, tefillin on my arms and so on. There, there was a great temptation of people who consider themselves enlightened to, to, to kind of turn up their nose at the need to actually go through the physical motions of mitzvahs. Ralbag says, absolutely not. The, the deeper meanings, that's Hashem's affair. Your job is to do it, he says. Even uh, Shlomo HaMelech made this mistake. Shlomo HaMelech said the whole reason the king is commanded not to marry too many wives is so, is so we sh- they shouldn't take him away from Hashem, and I can avoid that problem. And he was wrong. They did lead him astray. And uh, furthermore, he says, in general, we have to adopt a, a more humble posture, he says. Even if, even if the Torah gives us reasons, there could be other reasons as well. Certainly, certainly if, if the Torah doesn't say the reasons, we, we, don't have so, we, we can't know for sure the reason, the complete reason, he says. There are multiple reasons sometimes, he says. So, therefore, he says, we, we shouldn't get too carried away with Tameh HaMitzvahs and in, in, in letting that shape whether and how we do the mitzvah. The reasons behind mitzvahs, that's Hashem's. But the revealed part of the mitzvah, what we have to do, the Shulchan Aruch, that's Lanu 
This is a topic, uh, a very important and difficult topic. We've discussed this in the past. The whole sugya of Darshina and Tama Dekra. The Gemara has a whole debate about this. Whether, w- when we think we know the reason for a mitzvah, does that give us the, the latitude to shape the, the contours of the mitzvah based on the reason? The, the Gemara, for example, brings a whole discussion. It's, the, the, Torah says, don't, the Torah says, don't marry uh, the, the Canaanite women. So if we assume the reason is because they'll take us away, so maybe if they're good women who are righteous and are not idol worshippers, maybe we can marry them. If you're not Darish Tamanikra, we don't say such things. So the, the Gemara actually brings debates about these things, whether we have the right to shape our observance of mitzvahs based on Tamanikra, and it comes up in later, later, later authorities as well. But briefly, the, the Al-Bag says, that's what the Torah is telling you here. Don't do that. The hidden, the, the hidden meanings of mitzvahs, that's, uh, that's Hashem's. Domain, but by Niglos, the, the, the actual, the practice of mitzvahs, that's Lanul Vanein. So these are several other pshatim, and these are several lesser known pshatim in this pasuk the, the pshat of the Ramban, the pshat of the Benazir Ziesh Omrim, the somewhat obscure pshat, the Rambach pshat. <coughs> the most famous pshat of the pasuk, I think the best known pshat of the pasuk, and this is the pshat that is given by Rashi, and this is the pshat that is, that is found in Chazal in the Gemara is that it refers to collective responsibility. Collective responsibility of Jews to ensure that other Jews follow the Torah and, and uh, related the, the collective responsibility that we have that we'll be punished if we fail to do that. Rashi says, Rashi says, that, uh, what's the connection of this to the whole parasha here? So Rashi says, Hashem just said that, 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 that if, if people do have a desire, if there's a shorish pari rosh falana, someone who's having bad thoughts, then the Hashem will bring the, the hammer of divine vengeance down upon him. So Rashi says, this Pasuk is addressing a question. You might say, why is this our responsibility? You're punishing the Rabbim, the whole community of Israel, for for one person's personal thoughts? It says, there's one person. And he has, a, he has a, his Baruch B'lavavo, he thinks in his heart, he has these thoughts. And then the entire nation is visited with destruction. People don't know the, 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 the depths of each other's hearts. Hashem's answer is, you're right. I'm not punishing you for nistaros. I'm not punishing you for hidden things, for things that, that people do that nobody knows about. Hashem, that, that's Hashem Elokeinu. Hashem will take care of that. That's Hashem's, uh, Hashem will worry about, Hashem will take care of punishing people who sin when their sins are private. But v'haniglos, but sins that are public, lanul v'anenu, that is our responsibility, collective responsibility, to ensure that people do not sin and that people are punished if they sin. And, and therefore, if we, don't, if we don't punish people, if we don't enforce God's will, the unsure rabbin, then the rabbin will get punished. So both points of collective responsibility, Hashem expects us collectively to be responsible to enforce the Torah. And if we don't, we ourselves will be culpable, and we may suffer, even though we didn't do the, the, the Avera. That itself, the failure to, to punish those who do Averas, that itself is an offense that will be punishable by terrible things, as, as in Pashat seven, terrible things that Hashem, will bring, that Hashem will bring on the Jewish people. This is also the Pshat of the... This is also the Pshat of the Rashbam and the Ben Ezra. The Rashbam says that Hanistaros refer to the, the starim, the brachas and the klalos of Hargrizim, he says that Basin can't punish those things. Uh, the Rashbam refers you to what he says back in, back in, uh, back, back, back in Parshas Kisavo, in, in, in the Parsha of the brachas and the klalos and Hargrizim. As we discussed, it, it said, the, the Rashbam says, that, you know, the, the Rafarshim deal with the question, what is the commonality of all those things? The, the Torah picks a dozen a dozen of errors, yes, most of them are mentioned elsewhere in the Torah. What is unique about, what, what's the common thread between those particular sins? So the Rashbam says, all those things are things that are typically done, usually or often done in private. Things that are, by, by their very nature, you, you have plausible deniability. If you, you, you tell the, you, you put the stumbling block in front of the blind person, or if you tamper with boundaries, you're not going to do that while he's watching. You're not going to get anywhere by doing that while he's watching. You do it when nobody's looking. Most of those things, he says, uh, are divrei seser, some of the arayas also, they, they, they occur in the family home where people don't see what you're doing, and so on. So the, so, the, so the Rashbam says, both over there and over here, that's what the Torah is telling you. The Torah is telling you that the Torah is telling you that the, 
that the that's why we need special curses from Hashem. That Hashem is going to punish those who do averus that nobody that nobody sees because it, because it, it's not, it can't be based on his responsibility to to take care of things that nobody sees. But the niglos lanulvanenu, it's our job to it's our job to punish those who sin. So again, the, the Rashi makes a second point as well. That not only is it our job, but that God will hold us responsible. We'll be pun- if if we should be punishing people and we don't, we'll be responsible as well. Ibn Ezra says. Hanistaros means those who worship idols, baseser, in secret. Lashem alokenu, who yifreimenu, Lashem will punish them. But in ha'isa begoloi, if it's uh, if it's an explicit, if it's an overt and public sin, it's our responsibility to punish them. And again, Rashi adds a second step, which is that, and it's our responsibility. And if we don't, Hashem will hold us responsible. We will actually be punished. So the Torah is telling you that that in general, collective punishment is unfair. Why should I suffer for what someone else did? However, I do have a responsibility if I know about, if I know the thing he did, I do have a responsibility to punish him. And if I don't, then I will suffer. In that case, collective punishment is justified because I had a responsibility to punish him and I didn't do that. The, the, the Ramban mentions the Pshat as well. And the, but, but he himself says, Derek Pshat, as we said before, as Mr. Rose refers to, sh- refers to Shogeg, uh, that, that then Mr. Rose refers to Shogeg and the Niglos refers... Niglos refers to Mason. The Rashi's Pshat, as we mentioned, appears in Chazal, in the Gemara. The Gemara, the, Gemara brings, the Gemara brings a discussion about this in the discussion of the, the sin and the punishment of Achan. The story, we're, we're learning this story, we just finished the story in, uh, in, 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 in our Shir on Sefer Yoshua. The story is that after the great victory over Yericho, Yoshua, Yoshua instituted a cherem. All the property was to either be destroyed, some of it destroyed, some of it brought to the Mishkan, consecrated to Hashem. Nobody was allowed to take it. Achan gave in to temptation. A man named Achan gave in to temptation, and he, he pilfered some of the property. He violated the cherem, took some of the valuables for himself. Because of that, Hashem withdrew his favor from the Jewish people. The next battle they fought against the Ai, they suffered a setback. They lost, uh, they, they, they lost the battle. They took casualties. And uh, the Jewish people were devastated. Yeshua and the Jewish people were devastated. The, they, they felt that they, that they had lost, the, correctly, they had lost Hashem's support and that this would bode ill for future, future battles. And, they, and Hashem explained it was because uh, you have a sinner. You have to destroy the sinner and then my favor will return to you. They, 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 found, they, they, they found that it was Achan through a, through a mystic, divinely ordained procedure. It's not clear what it was, either a Goral or the Aron, the Ark of the Covenant uh, selected the, the guilty party, or, the, or, or there was something to do with the Choshen or the Tumim. But whatever it was, they, they eventually identified Achan as the guilty party through a, through a uh, special divine procedure. And then Yoshua persuaded Achan to confess, to, to, to admit his guilt, and then they actually found the stolen goods in his tent. So they had both the, the, the divine procedure, the, the goral or whatever it was, plus Achan's confession, plus they caught him, uh, with the, they, 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 they found the evidence in his tent, so they executed Achan. So there, there, there are two aspects to the story of Achan that, that, that get involved with the question of collective punishment. One of them is the question of why exactly Klal Yisrael lost the battle and was punished for the sin of Achan. One man, one man violated the cherem. How does that explain why the, why the Jewish people lost the battle, took casualties? Why are they responsible for what Achan did? Second point, at the end of the story of Achan, it says they executed Achan. The psukim are not entirely clear, but the, the psukim indicate, imply that they actually executed Achan's family, Achan's children as well. Achan's children? Why are they guilty? So the Gemara discusses both these points. The Gemara discusses why Klal Yisrael as a whole suffered for Achan's sin and whether and why Achan's children were executed. Regarding the first point, regarding the first point of why Klal Yisrael lost the battle if only Achan had sinned, why, would, why was the rest of the Jewish nation responsible for that? So, so the Gemara has a whole discussion of Achan. It begins because the Mishnah, taught, the, the Mishnah says that Achan's, Achan's, de, Achan's confession at his execution, right before his execution, was the, is the paradigm based and tells every condemned man, condemned to death, that he should confess like, like Achan did. And then the Gemara has a whole discussion, a Gothic discussion of the story of Achan. So the Gemara says that Achan, when, when Achan confessed, his language was, he says, Achan said, 
that the Yeshua said, please confess, and Achan said, I confess, I did such and such. Kipshuto, he means I did such and such, I violated this cherem. Chazal say, kazos v'chazos, kazos v'chazos means, and I, I'm a serial cherem violator. I violated several other cherems, three or four or five other cherems in the time of Moshe Rabbeinu. This is just my latest one that I got caught, that I got caught violating, but I actually violated several cherems. So the Gemara says, well, why, if you violated cherems before, why did nothing happen until now? Why, 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 did, why was Yachan only punished now? Why was the Jewish people only punished now? Why were they only punished now? If, at the eye, if, if Achan was violating cherems repeatedly in the past, why did the Jewish people never suffer such a punishment before? So the Gemara says, because collective responsibility, the idea that the Jewish people as a whole are collectively responsible for what one man does, that, that rule did not, did not take effect until they crossed the Yardin. And the Gemara brings our Pasuk. The Gemara says it's actually a Machlokas Tanoim, had to understand our Pasuk. Everyone, all the Tanoim understand our Pasuk. The basic idea, like we said before, that Nistaros means private things, sins that nobody knows about, and Niglos mean public sins. But whether that applies before or after they cross the Yardin, that's a Machlokas. The Rabbi Hudashita is, it's based on the Nikur, we're not going to get into the whole technical details of the, of the Gemara. Had to understand the Gemara, Rashi and Tosis, it's a it's a, it's a complex and tricky Gemara. But basically, Rabbi Hudashita is that before they crossed the Yardin, that there, was collective, there was collective responsibility for the Niglos, for the revealed sins, but not for the Nisteros, not for the hidden sins. But But once they crossed the Yardin, there actually was collective responsibility even for the Nisteros, even for the hidden sins that nobody knew about. There still is actually collective responsibility. That is the sheet of Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Nehemia says, no, that can't be. There's never collective responsibility for Nisteros. At Olam, it says. It says, at Olam, there's never going to be collective responsibility for Nisteros. So, the other way around. According to Rabbi Nehemia, even for the Golo, even for the revealed sins, there's, there, there's no collective responsibility until they cross the Yardin. And uh, so before they crossed the Yardin, there was no collective responsibility at all. After they crossed the Yardin, there was collective responsibility for revealed sins, but not for hidden sins. Rashi, I think, is going according to this view. Rashi on our parsha, Rashi said that the Rashi said the way Rashi read the pasuk was that the all these things are going to happen when we cross the Yardin, or the, all these things that Christ will do of a desire and they'll be punished. Why are we responsible? I, they're Nisteros. I don't know anything about it. So the, the answer was, yeah, you're right. There's, there's no punishment for Nisteros. Apparently, even after they cross the Yardin. The Niglos, the revealed sins, that's what I'm punishing you. Rashi seems to be learning that even after they crossed the Yardin, like Rabbi Nehemia, there was no punishment for the Nisteros. Even after they crossed the Yardin, the punishment was only for the Niglos, only for the, only for the, only, only for the revealed sins. So, that's my close. Since everyone agrees that there was some change when they crossed the Yardin, more collective responsibility. Rabbi Hudashita is after they crossed the Yardin, there was even collective responsibility for the Nistaros, for the hidden sins. Rabbi Nehemia Shita, which is easier to understand morally, is that the collective responsibility never existed for the Nistaros and only existed after the Yardin for the Niglos. The Gemara asks, okay, so according to, according to Rabbi Nehemia, so why were they punished even after? So, so they weren't punished. Achan wasn't punished in the Midbar. In the, all, all the haram he stole from the times of Moshe because they didn't cross the Yardin and good. After they crossed the Yardin, that's what these Tanam are saying. That's why now, now Klai Yisrael suffered for Achan. But according to Nehemia, that for Nisteros, you never punished even after they crossed the Yardin, like Rashi says. So Achan stole privately. So, why, so, so that's, that sounds like Nisteros. So why, so why was Klai Yisrael punished? Why did they lose the battle? So the answer is, the Gemara says, it wasn't totally private. Achan's, Achan did not commit the perfect crime. People knew about it. His wife and children knew what he had done. Again, it doesn't really explain so clearly how did the rest of Klai Yisrael know it. If it was a closely held secret, just his immediate family knew, still doesn't totally explain why the rest of Klai Yisrael was, was punished. But at least the point is, that's the rule according to Rabbi Nehemia. There is no collective punishment for Nistaros, even after they crossed the Yardin. And Achan's cherem, other people didn't know about it. Achan's people, the, 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 his violation was known, and that's why Klal Yisrael was punished. Nevertheless, despite what the Gemara says there, later in the, later in the same discussion, the, it, the Gemara brings the following interchange. It said, the Reish Galusa asked Rav Huna, 
it says that when they executed Achan, it says, Vayikach Yoshua, that's Achan ben Zerach, he took Achan, son of Zerach, the ancestor, Zerach was his ancestor, not his father, that's a Kesef, that's a Deres, that's Lashon HaZahav, and all the property that he stole, that's Bana, that's Benosaf, and his sons and daughters, that's Shara, that's Chamaro, and all his animals, that's Sono, that's Ahalo, that's Kalashilo, all his property, and they took them out, and they stoned them and burned them, the Pasuk says. That they, that, 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 it sounds like they killed and destroyed everything, all of Achan's family, all his children. How is that fair? Well, why are you killing Achan's family for what he did? So, Rafuna answered the Reish Galusa. Well, if you read the Pasuk, it also says, Vaskal Yisrael. That it also says that, that they took uh, all Yisrael. They certainly didn't kill the whole Yisrael. Machatu. They just wanted to make a public demonstration, a public example of Achan. Everyone should see the, that Achan was being punished for what he did. So Achanami, his family as well, were not killed. His family was uh, just Kedel Radosan. His family, they, they were being punished. It's a, it's a terrible punishment to have to watch their father be stoned to death, burned. You know, it's a terrible punishment, but they weren't actually killed. They were just made to witness the execution of their father. So these two Gemaras are interesting. The juxtaposition of these two Gemaras is, is interesting. On the one hand, the first Gemara said that Kla Yisrael would never have been punished and lost the battle of the eye unless they were somewhat complicit. In particular, his, his, his wife and sons knew what he had done. Yet, when it comes to the execution of his children, the, the Gemara says it's out of the question. Why would they kill them? Even though they knew, apparently. So the collective punishment apparently only goes so far. It's enough that the Kla Yisrael lost the battle but they wouldn't have actually executed the Achan's children, even if they were complicit, it sounds like. So that's why the Gemara says, it's not what the Pesukim mean, that they, they didn't actually kill Achan's children. It's actually a Machlokas. The Pirkei Dribaliezer, in the Midrash Pirkei Dribaliezer, it assumes they actually did kill his children. The Midrash asks, why did they kill the children? It's an explicit Pasuk in the Torah. We, well, not so explicit, we'll discuss that in a moment. It says, we don't kill fathers for children, we don't kill children for fathers. So, Achan's sons and daughters, why were they killed? The Bavli says, you're right, they weren't killed, just, they just watched. But the Pirkei Dribaliezer understands this, that they actually killed Achan's children. So, the, the Pirkei Dribaliezer says, well, like the Bavli said, because they knew what he had done, and they, didn't, uh, and they didn't report it, they didn't turn him in. That's why they were killed. So the Bavli itself said earlier that they, that they knew about it and didn't, and didn't do anything about it, and that's why Klai was punished by losing the battle, but the Bavli doesn't want to hear that, that, that they would actually kill directly, based on would actually kill Achan's children, even Lechara the Bavli holds, even if they had some moral responsibility, that Hashem would withdraw his Ashkacha from them, they still wouldn't directly execute them for the sin of not reporting. But the Prayer says, yes, they did, they actually killed Achan's children for the hate of not... Uh, for the chait of not, of not turning him in. So the Farshim and Yeshua go back and forth on this question of whether they actually killed Achan's children, and if so, why? Radak says, his children, they killed them, because if they were minors, then the Radak says, they're, they're like his general property. A little, uh, not, not an idea we relate to that well. We, 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 we modern people are, are, tend to have the attitude, children are human beings, they have all the rights of adults and none of the responsibilities, they're the most privileged, they're innocent, and they have no fault. But Radak says, but the Radak says, if they were minor children, we'll return to this question of minor children a little bit later in, in our discussion of Ereni Dachas, but the Radak says, if they were minor children, it's easier to understand why they were executed, if they were Gedol and Bnei Onesh, if they were adults who have their own moral, uh, who have their own moral judgment, he says, then we say, They saw what, what happened, and they were complicit. They, they, they were quiet. They, 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 they did not report Achan, like Pirkei really Eliezer. He says that, they, that they didn't have, he, Achan did not have a wife, or, or if he, or if, or if, because it doesn't mention anything about killing his wife. Either he had no wife, he says, or if he did, she didn't know about it. He, he hid his crime from her. The Bavli says he did have a wife, and she knew about it. The Bavli says the Yadubay Ishta Ubanov, but the, his wife and sons knew. But the Radak says, don't mention his wife, so probably he either had no wife or his wife was innocent. Ralbag, the Ralbag discusses uh, also, did they kill the children? So he, he brings both shots to him. He says, he says, either like Chazal, that they were just brought uh, to witness what happened, and he actually inclines to that view, or if you say they were killed, like the Radak, he says, they were Kitanim, and, and, and it makes sense that they would have been, that they would have been killed. The Barbanel, 
goes, uh, the Arbanel goes back and forth as well. He says that uh, if they were killed, it's because it's because uh, children are punished for their father's sin sometimes. They're nachshavim kimamono. Again, hard to understand. But he brings that the, the others say they were not killed. He brings both pshatim. The Mitzudas David says, like Pekter Beliazer, Yitachain, that they, that they were killed because they knew about it and they were complicit. They, they didn't report him. Chazal don't say that. Chazal and the Bavli, even though the Chazal themselves say that, that the kids knew about it, Chazal took for granted that they wouldn't have been killed for that. But as we saw, Pekter Beliazer says the sons were actually killed. So, often we have a major machlokus, whether the sons were killed. If they were, it's either because they were guilty of complicity or because they were minors, and minors, uh, their, their fate is just inextricably bound up in their, in their parents. On the other hand, the Bavli insists that they were not killed, and one argument against the idea that they were killed is the pasuk, This pasuk of has an interesting history. The, this pasuk is one of the relatively few psukim which is explicitly quoted in Navi, in Sefer Malachim. In, in Parshiki Seitze, it says, Each man shall be killed, shall be put to death only for his own sin, not for what his fathers or his sons did. In Sefer Malachim, there's a story about Yoash. Yoash ben Yoacha is Melech Yisrael. I'm sorry, in, in, the, in the second year of the reign of Yoash, Malach Amatzyahu ben Yoash Melech Yehuda. Amatzyahu ben Yoash was king of Yehuda. When he took the throne, it says that he, that he initially started out. He started out as a tzad, at least he, he was a tzaddik. That he was he did hayasher bein Hashem, not as much as David Aviv. He didn't get rid of all the bamas, but but he was but he was he did hayasher bein Hashem, and it says vayikasher chazakal amlacha biyado when he had a uh, a strong grip on the throne on 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 the on the on on, on the kingship vayachas avadav hamachmas emelach Aviv. His uh, subjects, subjects of, the, of his had assassinated his father. He took revenge, Goel Hadam, took revenge for his father and executed the, the plotters, those who had killed his father. However, that's B'nei Hamakim Lohemis. He did not kill the sons of the plotters. As it says in Taras Moshe, It says in Taras Moshe, we don't kill people for the sons of their fathers. And therefore, he didn't kill the sons of the plotters. Which, again, you know, we, we treat that as kind of self-evident today, but it was, the world didn't always work like that. Uh, partic- a, because people would just took revenge on entire families, and B, because people knew the way things worked was that if you didn't exterminate the, 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 the sons of those you killed, those sons are going to grow up and want to take revenge on you for killing their father. So, it's, it's, so if you want to be safe, you have to extirpate root and branch the whole family. But the Torah says don't do that. So... So Amatya, who was a tzaddik, he obeyed Taras Moshe and did not kill the, the children of the plotters. Now it's interesting because the, 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 the Bavli says, it's not actually what the Pasuk means. The Bavli says it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that we don't kill fathers and, and, and at least the beginning of the Pasuk it doesn't mean we don't kill fathers for the sins of the, of the children and vice versa. That you learn from the end of the Pasuk. Rather, the beginning of the Pasuk is telling you that it means ages bottom and, and, and ages of us, that, that we, don't, we don't kill people based on testimony of their parents or sons. That's a source for the rule that relatives, blood, close blood relatives are disqualified, Krovim are disqualified as Adim, uh, as witnesses. Okay, so maybe the, maybe the, maybe the, the story of Malachim means the end of the Pasuk. Even the Bavli agrees that the end of the Pasuk means that we don't kill fathers for the, for, for the sins of the sons. Either way, either the beginning of the Pasuk or the end of the Pasuk means that there is a fundamental principle of justice that we don't kill people for the sins of the fathers, and that was the issue that was raised by Pirkei Eliezer. How can we kill the sons of Achan? So as we saw, some of Farshim say, yes, we can, either because they were minors or because they were, as Pirkei Eliezer says, or because they were, they were complicit. Others say, no, it just can't be. We, we don't kill children for the sins of the fathers, and therefore, and therefore Achan's sons were not killed. But as we said, the, the, going back to our, to our pasuk of Hanistros Lashem Olakenu, the Bavli, even though it takes for granted, the Bavli says, of course, uh, that the, we're not, not going to kill Achan's children for his sins. Nevertheless, because, of the, because his children were complicit, that's enough to say this is no longer called Nistaros, this is called Niglos, and therefore there was a collective responsibility to stop Achan, to punish Achan, 
And the reason the Jews lost the Battle of Ai is because this fell into the category of Niglos. This was revealed at least to his family. People knew about it. People should have known about it. People should have done something about it. And therefore, the, 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 law, the initial loss of the, the Battle of Ai and the casualties, that was because it fell into the category of Niglos, Lanu rather than the category of Anisteros, Lashem Elokeinu. That's what the Gemara says. This story of Achan is one of three... Three places, Achan, we said there are two parts to the Achan story, the initial punishment of Klal Yisrael for the sin of Achan and the subsequent question about Achan's children. This, this story of Achan is one of three, three places in, in, in Tanakh, three episodes in Tanakh, where there's an issue of collective punishment, of, 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 even, of, even of Beis and Shalmata possibly, punishing people for sins that they didn't do, for sins that other people did, Achan's children, were killed, according to some, were killed by Yeshua. Uh, we, we discussed various approaches to that. For the remainder of our share, I want to discuss two other places in which, in which we, we, have an, we have episodes in Tanakh, we have halachas or episodes in Tanakh, where potentially innocent people are killed as a form of collective punishment for sins they didn't commit. The, the first one of the, of, the, of the last two I want to discuss is Irhani Dachas. Irani Dachas, we learned about, we read recently in Pashas Re'eh, one of the cities in Eretz Yisrael, people, Anashim Bnei Belial, scoundrels, worthless people, they persuaded, they seduced, they led the people in the city astray, Lamar, to worship idols, based investigates, they find out that the idol worship indeed occurred, so idol worship is a capital crime even when an individual commits uh, sins with idols and even when nobody seduced him to do it. But if, it, but if this is done by madichim, if this is done by, uh, by those who, who, who induce people to sin and, it, and this is established that most of a particular city was guilty of this and various other conditions are met, then a special protocol called irhani dachas comes into play. They're killed. The guilty, the guilty people are killed as they always are. But, but the Misa is Besayef with the sword instead of with Skila, which is normal punishment for Avodah Certain other halachas come into play. We gather all the property in the city and we burn it. And then there are special halachas that come into play when an Irani Dachas, the, the fact of an Irani Dachas is established. Actually, it's not clear if it was ever established. The Mara brings an opinion that, that the, the, the rules of Irani Dachas are so uh, particular that Lohayo Velosirlios, it never happened, it never will happen. It's just a theoretical pasha. Others say, no, I was there, I, was, I, I sat on the, the, the mound of, uh, that was left over from there in Idachas. But anyway, there's an entire pasha in the Torah, and the Gemara, and the Rambam about the pasha of Irani Dachas. Now, the rule of Irani Dachas is, who we kill in terms of the sinners is, is pretty much the same as the case where individuals sin. You kill those who were convicted in court of, in based enough sinning, and not those who didn't. Those who did have a desire are killed. If it was the whole city, you kill the whole city. If it was 75% of the city, you kill 75% of the city. The basic rules of Irani Dachas are we killed the guilty. However, however, the Rambam rules that if you establish an Irani Dachas, he says, you kill everyone in the city, and the children and the wives as well, and the women as well, if the entire city is near Nidachas, you kill everyone, men, women, and children. If it was only most of the city, if it's less than most of the city, it's not near Nidachas. You, you judge each person as a yachid with the regular halachas of, uh, of a yachid, of an individual who commits a vodazar. But if most or all the city has sinned, if all the city sinned, you kill everyone in the city, all the men, women, and children. If most of the city has sinned, you kill all of them who sinned, but not those who didn't sin. But all those who sinned, we kill Makinus Kol Hataf and Nashim Shalovim Lefichar. We also kill the, the, the women and children, the wives and children of the sinners. So Rambam says that if uh, that, that if if, mo, if a city is near Nidachas, you kill the sinners. In terms of the men, you kill only the sinners, but not those who didn't sin. We also kill the wives and children of the sinners. We'll discuss that too. Rameir Halevi Abulafia, the Ramah Halevi. So the Rameir Halevi Abulafia was one of the seminal figures in the, in, in the controversy about the Rambam. He was a great posek, a Kabbalist, uh, he was many things. He had objections to many aspects of the Rambam's thought. In particular, he, he thought the Rambam's attitudes about Tchiesa Mason were problematic. 
and, and he wrote a whole polemic uh, criticizing certain aspects of the Rambam's works. And again, much of his uh, fiercest opposition had to do with the Rambam's theology, but he also wrote uh, a, a general critique of many halachas, kind of like the Ravid, uh, but uh, many halachas uh, of the Rambam's Mishnah Torah. And one of them was this Rambam. He, he wrote a letter to the sages of Lunel, who were great admirers, great, uh, great ad- adherents of the thought of the Rambam. He wrote a letter to them explaining all his issues with the Rambam. He wrote to them, it's, it's called the Ketav al-Rasail, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, but that's how it's spelled, he wrote, Tamili, Rambam says you kill the children and the women? Which women, he says? If you, the women who did Avodazari, he says, that's the people of their Nidachas, men and women, obviously, you kill all of them. You don't have to single out women as a separate category. If they're guilty, of course you kill them. That, that's not a, I, I don't know. The question is, does Rashi say that Irindachas is only determined by men sinning? I don't know. So the Ramah said, he doesn't know what the Ramah is talking about. Which women? The women who sinned? Of course you kill them. Those are the sinning members of the Irindachas. If they didn't sin, he says, why do you kill them? You kill somebody for somebody else's sin, a famous Talmudic expression, to mean you're killing and punishing the wrong person. They didn't do anything. Why, why would you kill them? What sense does that make? The Sioux, the cover Machinus Kalataf, you kill the children. Says the Ramah, what? You kill the children? Khalila Lakel Meresha, heaven forfend that Hashem would uh, would order such 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 evil, he says. Hechamatsinu Katan Chayev, Shazekhayev. Whoever heard of such a thing that uh, that a that 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 that, that you kill Kitanim? There's never there's no such thing. Kitanim minors, he, he certainly understands we're dealing with minor children. And he says, hey, that, that a cotton that has no criminal responsibility. So what is the Ramah talking about? It's kind of surprising that the Ramah is picking on the Ramah here. The truth is, as other Rishonim point out, this is discussed by Chazal. It's not in the Bavli, but this is discussed in two other sources in Chazal. It is discussed in a Tosefta of Masechah Sanhedrin, and it's discussed in another Midrash. Some, some Rishonim refer to it as a Sifri. It's in the Sifri Zuta or the Alka Shimoni. Tosefta says, brings machlokas. Ketane b'neyanshir nidachas, ein nerogin. Tanakama says, ein nerogin. Rabbi Yezer says, nerogin. Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva says, uh, no, he, he, he darshans psukim. Ketanem are not killed. So Rabbi Kiva holds the Tanakama that they're not killed. Good. So it's machlokas. Two opinions in the Tosefta. The other midrash, the midrash in the Sifri, the Sifri Zuta. Tanakama says, ein mekaimenes atfalen. We don't uh, allow even the, we don't allow the children to live. We kill the children. No, it says lo yumsu avas albanim. He brings that pasuk. We don't kill avas albanim or banim alavas. We don't do that. And that's tomaderi dachas. Even then, you don't kill fathers. You don't, you don't kill children for the sins of their fathers. So in, in these various in these various uh, sources of divrei chazal, there's an explicit machlokus about whether you kill the children or not. So. We can discuss why the Ramah passed in this way, why he passed like the Shita that you do kill them, but the Ravid who's making, the, the Ramah who's making just uh, an outraged moral argument, how can you kill them? So, so women, the truth is, the truth is Chazal don't talk about women. Chazal talk about children. Neither of these sources mentions wives. So the Ramah's first question, why do you kill the women if they didn't sin, that is a bona fide question. That, that, that certainly is a valid question, that there's no, there's, no, uh, there's no source from Chazal for killing the women, no explicit source. However, the second half, the second question of the Ramah, I mean, it's a good question. It's certainly, it's certainly a powerful moral question, but it's Chazal, it's a Tosefta. It, uh, there are opinions in the Tosefta and, and in the Midrash like this. And, that, and, that, and that's at least in part what the sages of Lunel responded to the Ramah. So this is all in the Ketab al-Rasail. It's also brought in, in briefly with variations in the Migdalos. So the... Regarding the first question of women, he says, again, here there's no Midrash. They say that, that the Rambam inferred that from Kitanim. If you kill the Kitanim, it makes sense that you kill the women as well. Again, not at all obvious, because we mentioned earlier, the, the, the idea that minor children are considered like appendages of their, of their fathers, that, that, that's something that we shown him say, that we have sources of Chazal for. Adult women? That you kill an, an adult wife for the sin of her husband? Whoever heard of such a thing? Anyway, the Chachman Lunel said they, that the Ramah felt it was a Kalvachomer. If you kill children, you kill women as well. Then, then they bring another shot. Maybe the Ramah means women who did do, who did do Avodah Zarah, he says. 
and they, they, have, they, they have a whole explanation of why that wouldn't be included in the regular rules of Ereni Dach, that's fine. Okay, so maybe the Ramam only means, they're not sure, maybe the Ramam only meant to kill women who were actually committed idolatry, maybe he meant to kill all the women, not exactly sure, not exactly clear. The other question, how can you kill children? You were so flabbergasted by this, so, so we pointed out, it's, it's actually in Chazal, they, they, and, and they bring that, they say it's a, that, that there, is, there is such a Midrash in the Sifri and the Tosefta. But first, before they bring that, they say, why are you so surprised? You claim there's no precedent for this? Yes, there is precedent for this. It says that the Psukim say, they descended to Sha'ol, Haim Unashayim Uvnayim, Chaim Sha'ola, Anche Yabish Gilad, story in Sefer Shoftim, where one of the Shoftim, I forget which one it was, I think it was Yiftach or Gidon, he had, uh, when he was pursuing the enemies of Klai I think it was the princes of Ammon, and he had asked them for help, and they said, uh, you know, we're not helping you, and he said, okay, when I come back, I'm going to punish you, and he did, and he destroyed the whole city, women and children as well. Another example, I said there were three examples we're going to discuss. We're not going to get into the details of Korach and the story of Yavesh Gilad, but uh, they mention this as precedent. And the third story, he met, the, the, the next precedent they mention is the final one we're going to discuss soon, the story of the execution of seven members of Shoal's family by David Melech. We'll get to that soon. So the reason is, they, they say, the sages of Lunel said, Chomer hu baruch in certain cases of, uh, of uh, extremely reprehensible Averas, of, of terrible, terrible Averas, we have uh, an extremely stringent process where we kill even, even children. Hakol, to teach people a lesson, everyone should see how heinous, how terrible it is to do these Averas. Some people, their, their sons of them are, are even more precious than their, their, their little children, are even more precious than, the, than, than their own lives. We're going to take everything from you. We say, you do this Avera, this is such a horrible thing, we're even going to kill your little children. This is how some explain Rosh Hashanah. So there's, there's, a, whole, there's a debate among the Achronim. Who, who, had the, the, who, who did the greatest mitzvah, the greatest act of Mesiris Nefesh at the Akedah? Avram himself or Yitzchak? We, 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 we often refer to Akedah's Yitzchak, but we, another which counted as one of the ten trials of Avram, this is a question that ties into the, the, the end of the Brach of the Kronos. We say, so the, there's a question, Lazaro of who? Lazaro of Avram or Lazaro of Yitzchak? Do we have to say that, so the question is, who, who is the primary, who is the primary, who is the primary one who gets Chayar for the Akedah? So the Akronim give different svaris who it should be. Some say that Avram's chus was greater because it's harder to sacrifice. They give different reasons. One of the reasons is it's harder to sacrifice a child than to give up your own life. Anyway, these Averis are so dire or so heinous that to teach people a lesson, we kill even children. It's very hard to understand. Again, no matter how serious the Avera is, how does it justify killing innocent people and an innocent child? Very, very hard to understand. I, I have to say they have these precedents, but the Ramaz question, the moral question here is, uh, you know, precedents are precedents, but the, the, but the moral outrage of the Ramah is still, uh, still requires an answer, which they don't really provide. They bring another example, Ben Sorer Mora, Nizan Al-Shem Sofo, but again, Ben Sorer did something. He might not have done, the, he, right now he's only guilty of petty larceny, but he is already doing Averis, but to say that someone, and he's a godl over there, to say that someone who didn't do any Avera at all is going to be executed, a cotton, very, very hard to understand. Then they bring the, the Bryson, the Safri, and the and in the Tosefta. And then, they, then, and then they lecture the Ramah. They say, Mi yodea, who knows? Ule nimsa. They make a real argument from authority. They say, Ule nimsa ito mashin be'ezer me'yushalmi. Maybe the Ramah had a Yushalmi or another place. Or, I mean, he had Bryce's. I don't know why they have to look for other Yushalmi's, but Bryce's and Astoris Yelena of Niglas Lo. Again, the, 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 an echo of the Pasuk. Bryce's that are hidden from us, Hanistaros Elenu, Niglas Lo, and are revealed to uh, either a conscious or an unconscious echo of our Pasuk in our Parsha. Probably conscious. Uva Emes, everyone should have more respect for the Rambam than to challenge him like this. Kol chacham lev, maskil ishdas, yeshlo lirum ipanam, anyone who's intelligent and wise <coughs> should be afraid of just challenging the Rambam like this. They should be ladono lezchus b'chol kocho. Kol razlo honestly, he doesn't miss anything. And even if you have a kasha from explicit halachas, you should be wary of challenging the Rambam, certainly if you're just asking Bisvara. Again, it's an argument from authority, but the, the, the moral principle here is so, is so uh, 
is so clear, is so that you don't kill people for sins they didn't do, and you don't, it's just morally so hard to hear, that I, I, I think the Ramah has the better, in terms of the, the shared power of the moral question, the Ramah has the, the better of the argument. Their point is, though, we do have the Tosefta and the, and the Sifri, and we do have the, these various other precedents. Another we shouldn't go back and forth also on the question of whether we kill the Ketanim. Ramban, Ramban says that you kill everyone, women, women are negrara sachra anashim, Ramban seems to say you do kill women because they're just uh, ancillary to the men. Children, he says, first he says you don't kill, he brings us to free, that you don't kill, that you don't kill it. He apparently had this free, just one opinion, that, that, that you don't kill the children. That, that, that's included in the Ramban. However, the Tosefta, he says, Tosefta brings the Maklokas. And he sees, so, so the Ramban acknowledges that, that it's a Maklokas. Ralbag, Ralbag follows Rambam. Ralbag says you kill women and children, and uh, everybody. That's the sheet of the Ralbag. So it's a major machlokus. Again, very very hard to understand morally. How can you do that? But that but that that's a machlokus in in, in Chazal and a machlokus among the Rishonim as well. Final case where we have collective punishment that we're going to discuss tonight is the story mentioned briefly by the sages of Lunel, the story of the execution, a, 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 a very very sad poignant story at the end of Sefer Shmuel. There was a famine for three years. <laughs> David HaMelech asked the Kodesh Baruch Hu, he said, well, why is this happening to us? And the answer was, El Shaul vel Beis HaDamim This is punishment for Shaul, Beis HaDamim, the house of blood, because he killed the Givon. A very mysterious Pasuk. We don't find any discussion of Shaul killing any Givonim. The Pasuk, Hashem is accusing Shaul of war crimes, but we don't find any actual murdering of Givonim by Shaul. Some of the give different explanations for what he's actually being accused of here. Some say it's when he killed Novir Akonim, who were patrons of the Givonim. He, he, uh, he hurt the Givonim's livelihood. But whatever it was, Shaul, the, the Hashem said, Shaul did something, whether it's recorded clearly in the Torah or not, in the Novi or not, Shaul did something terrible to the Givonim, and that's why the Jewish people were being punished by a rov. David called the Givonim, and he said... He said, uh, Pasi gives the history of the Givonim. They were Amori, who had uh, entered into a covenant with Israel. They were Gerim. David told the Givonim, Ma'asalachem, what do you want? How can I propitiate you? How can I appease you for your claims? And we can uh, get rid of this rub. The Givonim said, We don't want money. What do you want? David said. They told the king, What we want is. The man who destroyed us, the man who perpetrated these terrible atrocities against us, he's dead. Shaul had died in the end of uh, Shmuel Aleph. But what we want is, give us seven of his descendants. We will hang them, we'll execute them in the presence of Hashem. That's what we want. We want blood, vengeance against Shaul's family. Give us seven members of Shaul's family and we will kill them. The Yomer HaMelech Aniyatin. David says, I will do so. So it says, David took seven members of Shaul's family. Two children of Ritzpah that she bore to Shaul, and five sons of Armonia Mephibosheth, and five sons of Michal or Merav Bashol, Ashiyaldu Ladriel, Ben Brazile Hamachalasi, five other grandchildren of Shaul. He gave them over to the Givonim, and they executed them, they, ha- they, they hanged them, and it says, Ritzvah the mother of the two of them, she took a sack and she stood watch, she stood watch for a long period of time, to, she, she couldn't save their lives, but as a mother she protected their remains as best as she could, she wouldn't let the birds rest on them, and she wouldn't let the animals uh, destroy them. She just stood watch. The grieving mother stood watch over her children. So they killed seven members of Shaul's family for this crime that Shaul had committed against the, against the Givon. Bavli says, the Gemara says, were these children... So the question all the commentaries deal with is, were these children actually guilty of whatever atrocities Shaul had committed? Were they actually guilty? Bavli assumes, no, they were not. The Bavli says, Bavli brings the whole story, it detarshans different, different aspects of the story, and then the Bavli says, you can't do that, the Bavli says. It's a halacha, you can't kill children for the sins of their parents. 
Bavli takes for granted. They were not guilty of whatever crime Shaul had done. So the Gemara says, an incredible answer, Better that we violate the halach in the Torah, we violate the Torah's prohibition against collective punishment, rather than cause a chil Hashem. People were going to say that, oh, you know, the different rules for the rich and the powerful, that they can get away with things, they, 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 they committed atrocities against the Gavonim, but because they're well-connected, nothing happens to them, it would be a chil Hashem. There are different rules for the elites and for the rest of us. Hashem said, okay, we, better that we override a halacha of Limasov Salbanim, we should kill innocent men to avoid the chil Hashem. Gemara goes on, it says, that how can they let them stay hanging so long? There's a rule, you're not allowed to stay, keep a person hanging all night uh, when you execute him. Same answer. We caused a Kiddush Hashem. Passerbys would see the people hanging, they would say, who are these people? This is unusual, what happened here? And they would say, these are princelings. And what did they do? They, uh, they, they committed a crime against Gerim Grurim, against the, the, the dregs of society. People would say, wow, there's, uh, there's no nation that's, uh, that, that, we, that we respect more than this. They, they, they do this even to king, even to princes, and even, to, even, even when the victims were, were, were lower echelons of society. Imagine how much they uphold justice in general. And it says at that time there were a tremendous number of Gerim, 150,000 Gerim joined Klai Yisrael. They were so impressed by this act. So the Gemara says there were two major violations of Balachaher. They killed innocent men for sins they didn't do. They let them stay hanging to avoid Chil Hashem and to promote Kiddush Hashem. Amazing, I mean, an amazing, amazing thing. A little hard to understand. How can you kill innocent people? Like we said by Ernie Dachas, it's a nice idea, but kill innocent people to avoid Chil Hashem, but Kiddush Hashem? Very hard to understand. The Ritva seems to have been bothered by that. The Ritva says they were Chayef Misa. They were not innocent, these people. They must have been guilty. They weren't, they weren't guilty of this. They were guilty of something else, he says. They were punished for this. Okay, but they were guilty anyway. When the Gemara says it was an Akiros, because it wasn't really according to the normal judicial procedure. They weren't actually convicted of those other crimes, but they weren't actually innocent. So don't worry. They, they weren't killing innocent men. In the Eerie, though, others seem to say that they were, that they were uh, actually innocent, and they were killed as a harasha. And the Eerie says, normally we have to keep the Torah. We can't be Oker government at Torah. But as a harat shah, as a one-time uh, abrogation of the law of the Torah, mutter, David killed seven innocent men, even though it says, Nevertheless, David killed, David executed seven innocent men, to make this great Kiddush Hashem and to avoid the Chil Hashem. There is a great discussion, as we discussed before about Achim's children, there is a great discussion, though, as to whether these children, and there the discussion was whether they actually killed them or not. Here they were definitely killed, it's explicit in the Psukim. There is a great discussion, though, whether they were actually guilty or not. Rav Sadia Gon, Radak brings Rav Sadia Gon, Rav Sadia says they were guilty. Why? He says, why do they give out a mask for seven? Where do they get the number seven from? Because there were only seven left who, had actually, who were actually complicit in those crimes. There were, seven, there were seven people left of Shaul's family who were actually guilty. So Rav Sadia says, that those were the Beis Adamim. Those were the ones who were guilty. Those were the ones they killed. The Radak, he says, could be, he says, but it's, it, he says it's not really Mestavar, he says, because they would have been very, very young. He says, Shaul only ruled two years. And, the, and the, these, were the, these were the children of Merav, the, the wife of Adriel, he calls her Michal, but it was, it was really Merav. He says, that th- these were children that were born at that time, during, during Shaul's reign. So they would have been babies. They were born right then, but they, they, they weren't old enough to participate. Whatever, whatever Shaul's crimes, he, he died at the end of, he was killed in the battle at the end of his reign. So whatever happened, happened in those two years, and they were just born then. So they, they weren't old enough to be involved in the crimes. Maybe you'll say that, this, that they were actually born earlier, that the giving her to Adriel actually happened earlier. He, the, the, so the, the, the Radak plays with this, but he's inclined to say that no, they were actually innocent. He says, so why were they killed? says, if they were innocent, how can you kill them? He says, so Chazal say, an exception, uh, to avoid Chil Hashem. Radak says, he says, that's only talking about when Basin executes people on their own, they have to follow this rule. Basin can't do that. But B'day Shemayim, Shemayim works differently. B'day Shemayim ksiv, Hashem does punish children for the sins of their parents. And I'll say that's only when the children are not tzaddikim, when they're oaks and massive as the So the and here he says, 
but here and here he says that the even though base, they did kill them, human beings killed them, and since it was LP, it's Siva Yashem, it's like Misa Bidei Shemayim. So the Radak is maybe similar to the, ultimately maybe it is similar to the Ritva, the, the, the Radak is saying that this falls into the category of Pokit Avonov Salbanim, Chazal himself say, Chazal himself asked the question, Chazal say, what do you mean Pokit Avonov Salbanim? It says Hashem punishes the children for the sins of the parents, but it says, uh, how can that be? It, say, it, it says, it says, Liyum Sova Salbanim, Bottom Liam Sualava said that that how, how can we do that? It says that the that that the how does that work? The Gemara asks. So the so the the Gemara says this is a Gemara in in Sanhedrin. The Gemara says the the. But it says Banim Bavanavas Lo. Is it really true? The Gemara we said before that that, that whether you, whether you learn it from the beginning of the pasuk of Limas Salbanim or the end of the pasuk of Ishbucheto Yumas, what do you mean? It says Pokedavas Salbanim. So the Gemara says that's when it's Kishalks Masivas Ambiadeim when when the children are continuing in their father's evil ways. So the Radak is saying this 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 even though that's limited to Bidei Shemayim, this was called Bidei Shemayim, and he says that that's when it was Oks Masivas Ambiadeim. So Radak is also saying that they were guilty of something, I guess. That they were guilty of some Averis, he's implying. Kind of like the Ritva says. But instead of saying it was a Harasha, I mean, he's kind of, he's kind of ending up as a Harasha as well. He's saying it was Bidei Shemayim. Sorry? How is it Bidei How is it Bidei Shemayim? So uh, Hashem didn't directly, it doesn't sound like Hashem directly told him to kill them. On the other hand, it's, uh, right, why does he call this Bidei Shemayim? So he says, he says that the he says it was according to the commandment of Hashem. I guess when Hashem told him, I'll show the base of I guess Hashem was implying, or maybe he said, and he doesn't mention it, that, that, that you, have to, you have to take action, that, that you're being punished because you need to take action against Shaul. Yeah, maybe it was just a punishment and there was no action to take. I'm not sure. But Dorodak understands that included when, that when Hashem said, when Hashem spoke to David, it sounds like he was saying that, 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 that he was condoning, he was authorizing the execution of Shaul's descendants. So the Radak is also saying that it was implies it was Oaks the Massive and be a Dayim, and it was Bidei Shemayim. I don't know if that's the same as the Gemara that it was a Harasha, where he's just saying this is called Bidei Shemayim, so that's automatically falls in the category of Pokemon Salbanim. But anyway, so the, the, the Radak, the Rafsadia says they were actually guilty. The Radak suggests that the that this is Bakhlal, Pokemon Salbanim. The Barbanel, Barbanel also asks this question. He brings Chazal that says it was Mutu, it was it, it was of Shitakaros Achas Petorah. Kafiyah Pshat. The, the Radak does not think that Chazal's Pshat is Kafiyah Pshat. He says, according to what I think the Pshat is, Vasvara Hayishara, I would say that when the Torah says, Liyum Suava Salbanim, that's an Azhara for Basin Mishpat Hanoshi. That's Basin's commandment, but Hashem has his own rules. Hashem is Poket Avanova Salbanim, and, uh, and therefore, and therefore the, this was considered like the Radak, Bideshamayim, and he can kill innocent people as well. Why would Hashem's Mishpat be different than human Mishpat, he says? So he, gives, he goes into a whole elaborate explanation of why, uh, why this is so. Fine. He says, uh, he himself says, that he brings Ox Masi with Ambedem, he says, Leosin, Yisparach, Bochein, Libos. He says that, that Basin can't do that. He says that the... That the he says he, he, he says he says he says even 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 with Hashem's mishpat he says even with Hashem's mishpat he says that the roy shenamin shaben atzadik lo yenash bavon haav chalila lekel meresha of course we're not going to kill a, a ben atzadik and a kodesh baruch hu the past kolchar kol beriu beria but he's Hashem is bochein libos choker kloyos Hashem knows that uh, when the when the sons are also rishayim and dar saramora dar latar beinav oks masvidem edem then he punishes them. Then he punishes them. First of all, because they're Rishayim, and also because it's uh, also because it's, uh, it's, pu- it's a punishment for the ancestors. And he said, this is only for Akash Baruch because he has to be Bochin Leva Klayos. He has to know, and the, and that's what he does. So he, so he goes on and he says that the he say he says this is this is how it works. He says and Papasin can't do this. The Marama Alshech, Moshe Alshech, is very unhappy with this Abarbanel. He says he says you have this kasher like himself Salbanim. Risi, I saw one of the Mepharshim HaAchronim, the Barbanel, one of the later Achronim, he says, in his time that was one of the later Achronim, he says he wants to see in based in Shalmata and based in Shalmala. The Yom Suva Salbanim is only for, uh, is only for, is only for, uh, for us, for based in Shalmata, not for a Kodesh Baruch Hu. he works differently, Pokedavon HaSalbanim. 
So the Barbanel is very upset. He says that the, even Mishpah Hashem doesn't work like that. He says, Pokemon Salbanim is only He says, Lo Zachar Mamur Matargim Bechazal. He is Zachar that. I'm not sure why he thinks uh, he's not Zachar that. But, uh, and he says, and then this was actually done by Basin Shalmata, like the Psukim indicate. And he says, if anything, Shemayim, they're more lenient, not more strict, he says. And Bechlal, he says, you know, what is the, what is the, what is the Barbanel doing? He says, he's disagreeing with Chazal. Chazal told us why they did it. They did it, they were Oker, Dovermanat Torah, for, to, to avoid Chil Hashem, he says. He says, who has Rishus? He says, who has Rishus to disagree with Chazal? Misvara, to have his own Pshat, if he found a source in Chazal, make up your own Pshatim, the Torah says, Losasser, even immediately Dagadata, you have to listen to Chazal, he says, and the, and he says, and how can you say that the Hashem works differently from, uh, from people, he says. Chazal told us the answer. The answer is that Chil Hashem is such a serious Avera that there was a Hara Hashah to be Oker, the, that, they, that, that, that they needed to, to kill the children anyway, to teach people the, ter- the terrible, terrible seriousness of Chil Hashem. Again, I'm not sure what his question is. And Barbanel, many of Hashem frequently explain Derech Hapshat differently from Chazal. I guess he feels that this is such a, such a, such a serious thing, such a great... Uh, Important. Chazal felt this was a great moral principle, and Barbanel was disagreeing. I guess he felt that this is a, a line too far. As my brother-in-law, Rabbi Natalia Wiederblank, has written, uh, that there are red lines. He's argued there are red lines in Chumash. There are certain ideas that are so basic and so fundamental to the Masera that the more conservatively minded Rishonim don't like it when other other Mikra disagree. Even though we have the right to say Derek Hapshat, but there are certain ideas that are fundamental and seminal, and if Chazal told us this is the way things are, we shouldn't make Nimrod into a tzaddik, and we shouldn't say that if the, if the Torah says this is against the halacha, but they did it for the reason of Chil Hashem, we don't need our own reasons. But uh, again, Abarbanel is not so different from the Radak. The Radak also said this thing, that this is basically, this is basically because of Pokedov and Sabanim, and, and the, base, the basic ideas of the Barbanel are already found in the Radak, so I'm not sure, again, why the, why the Alshech is critiquing the, you know, the Barbanel if his basic ideas were in the Radak. I'll call upon him. These are the three cases we discussed of, I want to focus on tonight, of collective punishment, killing innocent people for sins they didn't do. We have the story of Achan, where some say the kids weren't killed, the Bavli, but some say they were, either because of, uh, they, were, they were complicit or because they were Ketanim. Irani Dachas, where some, some, some of Chazal and the Rambam and the Ralbag say they did kill the children, and that's hard to understand, but uh, other, others say they didn't kill the children. Women is a question as well. And uh, if they did kill the children, it's, it, it, even though they were minors, it's because, again, they're considered like part of their father's property. The third example is this story of, of Shaul, where they killed, uh, they killed uh, seven members of Shaul's family. Even Rafsadia says they were actually guilty, but the Bavli and others learned they were not guilty. And they killed them either because they were guilty of something, like the Ritva says, and the Radak, and it was Pokedov and Al-Banim, or because, as the Bavli seems to say, because it was a Harasha. It was, there was the need to, the great need to avoid Chil Hashem and to teach people the seriousness of Chil Hashem, and therefore they killed people who were innocent. Very, very hard to understand. In all these cases, they were Nidachas, killing innocent people in the case of Achan, just because they were Kitanim, or killing people here to make avoid a Chil Hashem. Very, very hard for our modern minds to understand. But here are the, but, 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 but we've discussed what Chazal and what the Rishonim and early Achronim had to say on these topics.